In October of 2022, I sent out a survey about dating to a few Christian singles groups. The goal was to learn more about the perspective and struggles of other Christian singles. The survey responses would help me generate interview questions that I would ask married couples in my church, and I plan to record and publish the conversations. This became the Real Dating Wisdom podcast. The survey was 100% anonymous in order to encourage the participants to answer honestly. In total, I got 32 responses. Of the participants, 20 were male and 12 were female. I speculate the reason the majority were men was because I shared the survey in an online men's group that I'm involved with, as well as to male friends of mine. Interestingly though, the current majority of listeners of the Real Dating Wisdom podcast are women at just under 60%. I suspect this is because many of the listeners are women in my church who enjoy hearing the love stories of their friends. But it also could be a sign that there are a lot of women out there who want dating advice, which from what I've seen has been a predominantly male niche. The largest single demographic of survey participants were between the ages of 18 and 25, at 12 out of 32. However, these results also show us that 20 out of the 32 participants are both single and over the age of 25. Likewise, the largest single age demographic of listeners to the Real Dating Wisdom podcast are between 28 and 34. I suspect the majority of them would have liked to have been married before their current age and for one reason or another have not been able to do so. That brings us to the relationship statuses of the participants. 21 out of the 32 said that they are not in a relationship right now and are actively seeking one. Five said that they are not in a relationship and are not seeking one. Three are dating someone and three are courting someone. This means 27 out of the 32 participants are actively pursuing marriage in one way or another. Eight people said that they have been in their current relationship status for over 10 years. I presume that number includes people who have never been in a relationship and some who haven't been in a relationship in just a very long time. There are 12 people who have been in their current relationship status somewhere between 1 and 10 years, meaning that they have had a different relationship status at least one point in their lives. And 12 out of the 32 participants have been in their current relationship status for less than one year, meaning that they must have broken up with someone or have been broken up with within the last year or have recently started dating somebody or courting somebody. This information likely means that the majority of pre-marriage Christian relationships fail for one reason or another, many of those failures happening in less than a year's time. Since the majority of participants are actively pursuing marriage, there must be a significant issue in the dating pool that would cause such a high turnover rate for potential spouses. As we get deeper into the survey, we may see some patterns that can explain what might cause this issue. Of the 32 responses, only two people reported that they had children. This tells us that the majority of participants have never been married before, nor did they have children out of wedlock. 
So we can assume single parenthood to not be a major theme in our audience and probably not a contributor to why their current dating experience is not going well or maybe is going well. 27 out of the 32 people reported that they have expressed attraction towards somebody in the last year. The meaning of expressed attraction is up to the participant to decide. It could mean that they swiped right on an app, flirted with somebody, or asked somebody out on a date. At least from this data, we could see 80% of people have at least made an attempt to get the romantic attention of somebody from the opposite sex. Four of the five that have not expressed attraction toward anyone were men. Now, of the 27 people that have expressed attraction toward someone, 22 have been on at least one date in the last year. 12 of those people have dated at least two to four people in that time. Two of the men who have not expressed attraction toward anyone have each dated one person in the last year. One of them said that they are in a dating relationship. I feel bad for that girl. 10 people have not been on any date at all. Out of those 10, seven have expressed attraction toward at least one person. That means they either got rejected or circumstances prevented a date from occurring. That means out of 32 people, only three people have made no attempts at pursuing somebody for whatever reason. 10 of the participants said that they have zero options in their current circles that they could date. 11 said that they have options, but they're not great options. 10 people said that they have great options of people to date in their circles. Somehow, one of the answers was lost. 21 out of the 31 responses reflected a lack in the available options of people to date in their immediate circles. I asked the participants what qualities they consider as must-haves in a spouse. Their answers might have some information as to why they are or why they are not having success with dating. We see that pretty much every responder answered that a person must be a Christian in order to be considered as a spousal candidate. Other than sharing the same beliefs, virtuous character traits take second place among must-haves in a potential spouse, with people using words like faithful, gentle, intelligent, competent, humble, respectable, modest, independent, self-motivated, feminine, masculine, supportive, sense of humor, hard worker, compassionate, and discerning. Mentions of physical attractiveness appear eight times. Mentions having a shared desire for children appear 10 times. Two men expressed activities they want their future wife to specifically do. One said homeschool and the other said know how to cook. Only one person requires that their future spouse be a virgin. And only three people make mention of requiring their future spouse to share similar interests and hobbies as themselves. Perhaps the other responders overlooked those things as necessities, or perhaps most responders don't see those things as necessary. I also asked the participants what qualities they would really like in a spouse. Many of the answers are similar in kind to the must-haves, except we can see that some people didn't prioritize them uh, quite as high. These are things like physical attractiveness, certain character traits, and shared beliefs. 
There are a few mentions of hobbies and interests in the participants' nice-to-have lists. Things like love books, wants to homestead, enjoys fitness, or likes NASCAR. One thing that stands out when you look at both the must-haves and the nice-to-have lists is that many of the people want to marry a person who is sociable and fun to be around. 15 of the participants express this in some way in terms like must love people, has a sense of humor, funny, social, good communicator, outgoing slash friendly, goofy, fun, and easy to talk to. Through looking over the list of must-haves and nice-to-haves, I determined four categories that a person should aim to improve in order to make them a more desirable candidate for marriage, and I've listed them in importance based off of the survey results. Those categories are 1. Love for God 2. Virtuous character 3. Sociableness 4. Physical attractiveness Now, as we've seen so far from the survey data, most of the participants communicate that they have a lack of dating options. Based off of the four categories of 1. Love for God 2. Virtuous character 3. Sociableness 4. Physical attractiveness we could assume that the lack of dating options may have some connection with there being a lack of people who are strong in these four categories, primarily the first two. When we look at our participants' listed reasons that they've stopped dating somebody, we see overwhelmingly that our hypothesis proves true. Most of the answers have something to do with a mismatch in beliefs or dissatisfaction with the character of the other person. Some examples our participants wrote are Issues with response to lust Too egalitarian My ex wasn't stable for a variety of reasons, so I broke up with her. Years later, she married my roommate. We don't have similar worldviews slash not on a mission that I would like to join him on. Immature slash lack of evidence of faith Seeks attention of other men quick to spend my money, lack of respect, their personal life did not match their faith, too much family and friend drama. There are some responses that I like to connect to sociableness and physical attractiveness, but there are less of them. Examples include lack of chemistry, when there's no romantic spark whatsoever, I don't need Roman candle fireworks going off, but something to indicate that this is more than an acquaintance or friendship. Not attracted to them or just not feeling it. The next question asks, which occurs more often for you? And the two options are, I end the relationship or the other person ends the relationship. Overall, the results are around 50-50, but when you break it down by men and women, there's a stark difference. Only 2 out of the 12 women in the survey say that the other person ends the relationship more often. In contrast, 15 of the 20 men say that the other person ends the relationship more often. Unfortunately, I did not include an option for people who have never dated anybody, so that skews the results a bit. Plus, our sample pool is rather small, 
but what we do have seems to indicate that women are more likely to break up with a man than a man is likely to break up with a woman. If we go by our four categories that make one a desirable candidate for marriage, we may assume that there are more God-loving and virtuous women than there are men, which is why women reject men more than men reject women. However, it could also be the case that women reject men because they themselves lack a love for God and virtuous character. In either situation, somebody lacks a love for God or a virtuous character, or perhaps sociableness or physical attraction, and that means that it's bad both ways. I asked the participants to identify areas that they need to grow in as a person. I'd say the majority of the participants had answers that seemed to be right in line with what their focus should be. People said things like purity and humility, improve physical fitness, lose weight, less selfish, growing in femininity, openness, read the Bible more, self-control and discipline, and my daily prayer life, fitness, and being consistent with working out. One thing that comes to mind, though, when reading these responses is that perhaps the participants may have some blind spots in what they think they need to improve versus what others think they need to improve on to become a better marriage candidate. What may be a healthy exercise if you're listening to this would be to write down the things that you think you need to grow in as a person and then go to the description of this episode to see the survey results yourself and compare your list with what the participants said they want in a spouse. The next question was, have you fornicated? 20 of the 32 participants said they had not. 10 said they had. Two preferred not to answer. I'm encouraged that the majority of the people who responded have abstained from sex before marriage. However, this also means that about a third of the participants that claim to be Bible-believing Christians admitted they had sex before marriage. This is not just sad, it's an alarming number. As much as Christian singles seek a spouse with a love for God and a virtuous character, we must be mindful of our own shortcomings. Sex before marriage adds difficulty to all of a person's relationships after the fact. In future episodes of the Real Dating Wisdom podcast, I love to interview couples that have had to overcome past sexual sin to help the large number of other singles who have chosen to repent of their sexual sin or maybe dating somebody who is doing that as well. Twelve of the responders said that they were raised in a healthy Christian household, which leaves 20 who were not raised in a Christian household, or at least not a healthy one. Most participants expressed dissatisfaction with the way they were raised to view dating. Some of their answers were, I was raised not thinking about dating. I was told that choosing a spouse is a very important choice, but that it was for later and not something to think about. It was not discussed. I was not told what I should do if I was attracted to a person, but I had the impression that dating was something public schoolers and tax collectors did, so I did not grow up inclined to ask someone out. No dating until I turned 18, then I could do whatever I liked. Parents and siblings will embarrass you for interest in someone. If you have good intentions, things will just sort of work out. Participants expressed their biggest frustrations with dating, which include not many good girls out there, 
lack of mature slash interested men, place myself in church and friend groups and Bible studies, but still don't seem to run into girls I want to ask out. I feel like I'm missing something. Dating apps seem to always result in long distance relationships and they have too many options, but few good candidates. Lack of local prospects, little interest from the most like-minded prospects online slash at events, men not leading relationships well. Getting ghosted or dumped really early when it seemed like there was something there. Weak men, soy boys, men unwilling to lead, friend zoned, happens a lot. From these answers and from the high turnover of potential spouses that we saw earlier, it seems like nobody wants to date each other. The men and women who answered the poll seem to want similar things. Would they all reject each other? Most of the respondents agree that love for God, virtuous character, sociableness, and physical attractiveness are things to desire in a spouse. Are Christian single standards in these categories too high? Perhaps the average Christian single has appropriate standards, even though they are high. High is a term that expresses relation to a baseline. Things that are above a baseline are high, and things that are below or near the baseline are considered low. In order for one's dating standards to be high, the baseline for potential spouses that exist in the world must be lower, or high standards could not be high. This means in order for us to understand if our standards are too high or just high enough, we should take a look at the baseline. If the baseline for potential spouses are good, godly men and women, then high standards would be expecting to marry a canonized saint. However, if the baseline consists of ungodly men and women who lie, cheat, steal, and don't go to church, then high standards would mean you should expect to marry someone who doesn't do those things and maybe knows how to brush their teeth on a regular basis. From the survey results, it seems the baseline is closer to the second example than it is to the first. When a third of the survey respondents admit to fornication, it's hard to keep a straight face and maintain a standard that demands a spouse can recite all 107 questions of the Westminster Shorter Catechism, plays the piano, volunteers at a homeless shelter, is post-millennial, and is over six feet tall. But perhaps you want to maintain that standard, and there's nobody forcing you to have another standard. Then it would probably be wise to ensure you're just as high quality of a potential spouse as the person you want. And your standards may be perfectly reasonable, even if they are higher than what might be appropriate for the baseline of the modern dating pool, the best advice this survey has to offer would be to examine the four categories of 1. Love for God, 2. Virtuous character, 3. Sociableness, and 4. Physical attractiveness, and work on improving in them. Now, perhaps a major contributor to why many people have unreasonable standards has something to do with fear. Our next question in the survey was, what is your biggest fear when it comes to dating? Some of the responses were, 1. Selecting the wrong person. By that, I mean someone unstable, incompatible. 2. Not finding someone. Putting myself out there and getting rejected. Fear of making the wrong choice slash rejection. When I finally found a good one, that she'll lose interest and leave. Before finding a good one, that I'll have to settle for good enough. Heartbreak or never meeting anybody at all. Getting it right. 
I feel that I will either settle or hold out so long and with such high standards that I never find someone. I put the top three fears that I noticed among responders into the categories of rejection, choosing the wrong person, and experiencing heartbreak. I'm guessing that these fears are all contributors to there being a lack of available options. There's a lot of pressure to get it right when it comes to dating, and people feel like getting it wrong would end in a worse outcome than if they did not date at all, which, as we see, ends in relationships never forming or in a high turnover rate of potential spouses. There's certainly ways in which we can get it wrong when it comes to dating, but I challenge the idea that a less than ideal spouse guarantees a disastrous outcome. It may be uncomfortable, but didn't the Apostle Paul promise that those who marry will have worldly troubles? Some of the biggest questions the participants wanted answered about dating are, how can I get girls to notice me? How to go about showing interest as a Christian woman? What are the milestones in dating relationships? What are the questions you should ask? Slash, what are the experiences you should have in a dating relationship? How to approach online dating when it is the only option available? What are healthy boundaries, but not too limiting? Striking the balance between being too picky and too permissive. These are the questions that I'm seeking to answer by interviewing married Christian couples in the Real Dating Wisdom podcast. Hopefully, some of these questions have been answered in the episodes released so far. Now, I'm including a link to the survey results in the description of this episode for you to look them over. Maybe you come to different conclusions than I did. If so, I'd love to hear what you think. You can email me at realdatingwisdom at gmail.com with your thoughts. God bless.